Okay, hello everybody and welcome to Investing with IBD for October 23rd, 2019. I'm your host, Arisha Paris, and with me in the studio today is Joe Fami, Managing Director of Zor Capital. Thanks for being here, Joe. Thanks for having me, Arisha. Appreciate it. On today's podcast, we will talk about the current markets, the psychology of investing, and then we will end the episode with three current stocks. So let's get into the current market. Right now, we are in an uptrend, but we have eight distribution days on the NASDAQ and S&P. It's been a fun, no, I won't say fun, but it's been a choppy market. Yeah. Uh, indexes are, are they're still above the 50-day, but the amazing thing is the overall indexes at least are resilient. They continue to be resilient. They continue to refuse to go down as opposed to some of our stocks. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's um, it, resilience is the best word to describe because over the last few years, no matter what news is thrown at the markets, it continues to, uh, I joke with my friends, the market goes down, just doesn't stay down. Yes. It just seems to just always bounce right back. Um, I think uh, overall, we're in a great environment with fundamentals are strong, interest rates, uh, earnings are, are good. Sentiment's been you know pretty poor. So the environment is is good for uh, is equity friendly. Yeah, and now a, a couple of years ago uh, on one of your blogs, you, you were talking about this right before Trump got got elected. Yeah, you made the prediction that you were we're still in a bull market. We're about to start a new yeah. rally. Do you see anything like that right now, or any any thoughts on just maybe? Yeah. So one, let's just open up the can of worms. <laughs> let's just get straight to it. One of my pet peeves is this whole ten-year bull market. I yeah. think it's bullshit. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I think I think people, it's the stupidest definition that the S and P has to correct twenty percent because in two thousand eleven we had a twenty-one percent correction, but closing it was like nineteen point right. eight or something. Right. It's so dumb. Yeah. And then from mid two thousand fifteen to mid two thousand sixteen, I don't care what anyone calls it, that was a brutal bear market. Yeah. You had. Yeah, the S&P was down like 15 or 16 percent, but you had small and mid caps down 27 percent. Oh, destroyed. Absolutely destroyed. Uh, energy down 50 percent. Yep. Biotech down 40. Um, uh, financials down 30. I don't. And some of the best in the business were down 20 yeah. percent. So that's a brutal bear market. Yeah. And then the third one is the fourth quarter of 2018, where that was a bear market. Yep. The problem is people think that a bear market has to be 0809. It has to be a disaster where everyone loses half their money, everyone loses their job and jumps out the window. It doesn't have to be that brutal. Um, the average bear market six to nine months, 27% correction. That's average. Some yep. of them are a little bit longer, like we had in 0809. And some of them, like we had last year, could be three months. You know, similar to uh, summer of uh, uh, 98 with long-term capital, Russian debt crisis. Yep. It was around the beginning when I started invest. That was a three-month bear market. Right. So and, and we another had, brutal, brutal bear market. Yeah, and we had the same in the fourth quarter of 2018. So, yeah. this whole 10-year bull market is nonsense. We've had three bear markets as far. I mean, within the whole secular trend. Right. Um, and on top of it, when you really look at the major averages, they haven't gone anywhere for 13 to 21 months. Yep. So the S&P and the NASDAQ are roughly the same as where they were in September of 2018. So it's about 13 months of maybe a little bit 1% higher. Right. So um, they really haven't. So this whole nonsense of we're going up every day, we never go down, this is just going to end any day now. Right. What's going to end? I mean, we haven't gone anywhere. <laughs> yeah, you true. know, the it's Dow true. is 100 or 200 points above January of 2018. 
um, which it also made a big move from, let's say, whatever it was, like 18,000 to 26,000 roughly. And similar to after a stock or after an index makes a big move, it needs to digest, it needs right. to consolidate. Yep. Uh, so we had a huge move and we've been in a range for 21 months on the Dow. Yeah, and so those are the indexes, but where some stocks have gone over the last few months have been down yes. for, for the, the leading cloud stocks or these, these gro growth Correct. stocks, they have gotten hammered uh, over the last few months. And even this past week, they just kept going down, kept getting hit. Yes, yeah, that, that's the challenge with the market right now is the averages, my theory is the averages are holding up because of sector rotation. Mm -hmm. So this is sort of a theory I've come up with where, not come up with it, but it, about 10 years ago, you could sell a stock and then it would sit in cash and you could earn four, five, 6% not that long ago. Yeah. Now, when your money moves to cash or money market reserve, you get like 10 cents in interest. So you don't get anything. So my theory is these money managers are saying, well, instead of having it earn nothing, let's rotate into utilities. Let's rotate into energy. Let's rotate into financials. So that keeps the indices propped up. But these growth stocks beneath the surface recently have just, I mean, they're down 30 to 60% off their highs. Yeah. And you mentioned uh, 2015, 2016. Uh, that time frame reminds me of what's going on right now. I, I call that time frame, you called it a brutal bear market. Yeah. I called it the stealth bear market. Yes. Where yeah. it, it, True. It, it's, it's a better term. It, yeah. It's like yeah. the, everyone, people weren't really following our strategy or looking for growth stocks. And I go, oh, the markets are okay. But the ones who are following our kind of stocks are like, oh my God, it, I can't believe how hard stocks are getting yeah. it. Same, uh, same uh, thing right now. It's interesting you bring that up because I've found from back testing and looking, I do a lot of post analysis of my work, I find that the O'Neill stuff and, and, and active managers correlate a lot more with the Russell and with the S&P mid-cap 400. Sense, so yeah. we talked about those three major indices, the Dow, NASDAQ, and S&P, but go look at the Russell IWM or look at the S&P 400 mid-cap MDY. Yep. And they have been in bear markets for a long time. They like have. they're not near their highs and I have found that it's especially the Russell is an is a indicator of risk appetite. So if, if the Russell's doing well, that means money managers are putting money to work in risk and growth and breakouts, and that hasn't worked for a long time. A now. Long time, yeah. yeah. Speculation that that's, exactly. that's, uh, that's when the speculation is on. Yeah. Uh, at that point. Okay, Joe. So since speculation clearly is not on right now yeah. with, with the Russell's struggling. Uh, so given t this type of environment, what should investors be doing right now? Yeah, it's important to be, usually they correlate. So when the markets are breaking down, the stocks are breaking down, but this is a, a, a different market where the, the averages are holding up better than right. a lot of the growth stocks. So I think it's important to be super patient. Um, you have to definitely um, keep smaller positions, uh, maybe test some positions to see if they start to work out. Because if you notice, breakouts aren't working out yeah. for the most part, I've they're noticed. going and they're failing hard. Yes. So I think there's either you watch them or you take a smaller position than normal to sort of put your toe in the water and see if they start to work out. Because eventually, if this is sort of a late, it might be a late 2016 scenario where the Dow kept going up, but growth stocks weren't working. Eventually, growth stocks will work, but it's important to be super patient. Keep your stops in place because some of these, like you mentioned, the cloud stocks, some of them, you know, keep in mind, they've gone up three, four, five hundred percent. So if they're down, they, they could they could take some time. You have to give them time to form proper bases, keep your stops in place. And one other way I'm adapting is maybe own a little bit more of the index until the, the growth stocks start setting up again. And then when more growth stocks set up, you can maybe reduce the index and move more into stocks. Perfect. Yeah. OK, so, Joe, let's let's get into how you got started now. Yeah, uh, you 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 made an interesting choice, kind of like me. You went at Tufts University. Yeah, jumbo here. Yeah, a fellow yeah. jumbo. <laughs> uh, you graduated in 1995. I actually do 
you look familiar. I, I remember yeah. you back on uh, back on campus back yeah, then. You, I, had, you, I had more hair. I had a big, <laughs> I had a big afro back and, then. And you were also one of those <laughs> also one of the big men on campus there. You know, you were one of the superstars on campus, <laughs> right, right there. But uh, but it was so it was really funny that when I saw you on Twitter and and when you came and visited us, that it, that I was like, okay, it, it, that you ended up kind of in the same space that I'm yeah. in, right? You it, kind of ended up going I think it just stocks. goes to show it doesn't matter what you major in in college. It's, I, very, very few people use that. It's true. And, and, and what, what did you major in college? In economics and religion. And religion, yeah. which is a very tough type I, of... Yeah. Uh, and I, I did bio, so yeah. I know, <laughs> and here we are through. talking markets. Yeah. Right. So so how did you get started? So after Tufts, or, or what got you interested, in, uh, during Tufts even, what got you interested in the stock market? Yeah, I was always interested in the markets, and my dad kind of got me interested in a couple of stocks. I remember my first couple buys were Sara Lee and Gillette, um, which you know Gillette got bought out, I think, by Procter and Gamble, and Sara Lee's no longer. But my yeah. point is, like, I, I just bought a few shares, whatever I could afford at the time. I was just fascinated, and it was sort of buy and hold and all that. And then I, after college, I went to work for a software reseller, one of those big catalogs that had all the different software. Yeah. And I remember there was huge demand for certain products. Yeah. And I was just fascinated in the market, so I'd go look up and the stocks were going through the roof. And do you remember any of those uh, I remember I, I Omega was one of them. I Omega, yeah. the zip drive. Exactly, there, and the yeah. stock went up like thousands oh, of yeah. percent because <laughs> we were always sold out. Yeah. It was a joke in the call center, like, oh, someone else going, uh, we're back ordered, sorry. Um, Microsoft people were into, you know, maybe at the time Windows 95, but yeah. Visual Basic yes. and uh, C++ That's and right, all that. That's right, because the whole, the whole .com was starting. Yeah. So Visual Basic makes Yeah, makes SQL Server, all that right, stuff, yeah. and uh, for, for databases. So, so I was so fascinated because all these, I would notice the products, there was a definite, it kind of relates to, you know, products and earnings and sales growth and all that. When, you're, right. when you have a new product that usually correlates to a stock doing well, and some of the products were super hot, and I just got involved in, uh, you know, just really fascinated in, in the markets because I would see the correlation between their sales and how, how they went up. And then I went to work for a firm in New York and then just learned a lot and went off on my own. I've been yeah. kind of just trading on my own and managing money on my own since then. And and so so you're managing money and then things started to to, to change even a little bit more or get, maybe get a little bit more exciting for you when uh, social media really yeah. started to take off. Yeah, that was a different, um, I had actually been sending notes, emailed notes to a lot of my friends. Okay. Uh, that uh, maybe 20, 30 friends that I traded with and just, you know, mutual friends, whatever. And um, I got introduced to Howard Lindzen. Yeah. And okay. someone, and I sent him my uh, notes and he said, you've been blogging this whole time. You just don't realize you've been blogging. So he said, you know, buy your, you know, I, I actually recommend that to everyone if you can, buy your name. Like I bought Joe Fami, Joseph Fami, yes. like buy your name if you can. Yeah. Or if you have to throw middle initial or whatever, if you have a common name, but buy your name. And he said, uh, take your notes that you've been emailing him and put them on a blog and, you know, did that through Stock Twitch. So that actually really helped to get my name out there and get my thoughts out there. And I've been doing videos for, I don't know, eight, 10 years now on the sites and so yeah. forth. So I guess I had been blogging for a long time, but I just didn't organize it on an actual blog. It was all done through email until my blog opened up. Right, right. And and then then you started getting that popularity and, and then you kind of took a next step further by, yeah. by meeting some people and, and, and joining a firm, right? Yeah, yeah. My friend, uh, Frank Zarilla, I met him at a StockTwits meetup and and he had the structure in place. Because a lot of people said, okay, we like your ideas, we like your thoughts, or, you know, I have an old IRA, or I'm interested in managing money. Yeah. So I connected with him, and um, you know, we have a small RA in New York, 
uh, New York-based RA where we manage money and individual accounts for uh, for people. That, that's, yeah, it's, it's pretty incredible just the evolution, especially, and you're not the only one who's kind of experienced this story yeah. with, with social media and people getting their knowledge out there. All of a sudden you have the, 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 the stars just come through and uh, you know, they, they get to a larger different platform. Yeah, yeah, you develop a presence and people, I think people, um, after a while, I always say through social media, they get an idea of, you know, if you're genuine, if you're good, if you're trying to do, you know, I'm trying to do my best for, for clients and put some good information out there. And I think people pick up on that for people who are like genuinely doing good things. And right. there are some great writers out there. And then when people pick up on that, they say, hey, can you help with managing money, whether it's active or passive? There's diff There's a lot of different people doing that. Yeah, perfect. So the indices continue to hang in there, but a lot of former great growth stocks continue to struggle. Let's take a quick break, but when we return, we're going to talk about the importance of investor psychology. Stay tuned. Hey everyone, it's Alyssa Quorum with Investors Business Daily here, and I want to tell you all about our new series, Investing Strategies with IBD at NASDAQ, where we're coming to you each week from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. Our show is all about helping investors make smarter decisions with their money by providing actionable insights. We'll analyze current market conditions through IBD's proven market timing perspective. We'll have analysts sharing the inside scoop on the hottest growth stocks from top performing sectors. We'll walk you through the best tactics for buying and selling top stocks and ETFs to give you an edge with your investments. And we'll get the latest strategic insights from trending companies straight from the executives themselves. Investing strategies starts now. Joe Fahmy is our guest on Investing with IBD. Okay, Joe, let's get into investor psychology and the importance of getting your head straight before investing in the markets. Yeah, I think that is something that is not talked about enough. I think this is, I think having the right process and the right strategy is maybe 20% of it and 80% of it's psychology. Mm -hmm. Uh, I went to a conference recently, um, I was telling you earlier about Traders for a Cause, and I noticed there was a lot of talks about technicals, fundamentals, it was a great conference, but the talks about psychology were the ones that no one wanted to leave. People were hanging on to every word, they didn't want them to end. There were some psychologists that were talking, just some other traders who were talking about their experiences, because one thing no one wants to talk about or it's not talked about enough is because we're all we all struggle at times yeah. i mean that's just normal but the problem is no one especially on social media no one social media is i like to say is is it's not who we are it's who we want to be <laughs> you know and we know it's a lot of bullshit yeah. but um the point is no one wants to talk about i have a love-hate relationship with social media because i love the people i've met and the information but mm -hmm. the thing that a lot of people hate is these people who are like oh you know, just never lose money. And, you know, some guy the other day said, oh, I buy a thousand shares every day. I make a dollar and I, and 250 trading days, I make a quarter of a million a year. And I'm like, oh, I didn't know it was that easy. <laughs> I'm like, I just but didn't. I'll be like, know. why are you telling us? I just know. Keep, keep that money machine rolling. But that. the reason to go back, I'm digressing. The reason to go back to psychology is um, I think is when people struggle and they want to connect and, and try to have help to get through that part. Because yeah. again, it, it is, so important to have your mind sharp to get be mentally tough because when you trade you're dealing with decision making you're dealing with uh, emotions you're dealing with so many fears and and it's not talked about enough because those are that's 80% of it it is it, it really is, is. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I'm, I'm not a psychologist, but I can maybe talk about some things that I think help yeah. to keep calm your mind and keep your mind sharp. Um, 
something as simple as gratitude is something that's, um, you know, I know people want to talk about charts and the markets and some, but this is actually very important because mm -hmm. if you take five, 10 minutes in the morning just to uh, be grateful for whatever, you're breathing, you have a roof above your head, whatever, that puts you in a calm state of mind so you're not making emotional decisions when you're trading. Because yep. I don't care who you are, if you don't have five or 10 minutes to pause and some people meditate, whatever helps, to put yourself in a calm state of mind before the trading day, you you definitely have at least ten things you can be grateful for. Right. Because um, one great thing I've learned is the the mind is incapable of being uh, grateful and angry at the same time. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. So when you're gratitude, you're not saying, "Oh, I hate this person." Yeah. You know, you're not. You know, it's impossible. <laughs> right. So when you, my point is for trading, how this relates to trading is when you're in a great state of mind it's really going to help you from dealing with that anger and frustrations when you're trading and the, the emotions that we deal with the ups and downs. Yeah. Now, one, one thing that a lot of people ha have to go through, and I definitely had to go through this plenty of times, is when you get hit in the markets or, you know, those first few years are really tough. You're not making a lot of progress. Yeah. You know, a lot of people are going, why are you bothering with this? Uh, but uh, picking yourself up, especially after oh, you yeah. go through a correction or you, you get you have a number of losing trades and you've given back a lot of profits or you're down on you know yeah. down big or something like that uh, picking yourself up you know and and trying to uh, get back going getting that motivation going how, that how do you mental toughness that? is it's just involves a lot of discipline and of a lot of consistency yeah. you know not just the gratitude but i mean even like working out is a simple thing um, i know I, i'm a big fan of tony robbins and yep. he says people pay me seven figures to coach them i'm going to tell you for free the first thing i tell them get your ass in shape yeah. That's what he tells him. He's like, I don't sure. care if you're already an athlete. Yeah. I don't care if you're a trader. If you're uh, whatever you do for for a living, um, you have that mental toughness. By you know, and again, I struggle with it. I try my best, but um, I'm really good at giving advice. I'm not the best <laughs> at following it. So I'll tell you what to do. I won't necessarily do it, but. The point is that, you know, by keeping yourself into shape, even if you do a walk or three times a week, whatever, that actually helps with what you said, picking yourself yes. up and, um, you know, with that resilience. Now, another thing is reading. Another thing is feeding your mind with strong well, ideas. Well, with the right stuff, though. Yes, of course. Right yeah, stuff. yeah. You don't want to read like, you know. Twitter. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's not just the great investment books, but it's a lot of the self-help books. Yeah. There's a lot of... Um, Audio books, um, podcasts, yeah. you know, like great ones like this one. There you go. I like that. <laughs> there's, um, <laughs> there's a lot of, you know, I'm a big, like I mentioned, Tony Robbins, even if it's a spiritual stuff, yeah. um, YouTube is just an amazing resource. I it mean, is, like David Go David Goggins, I'm a huge fan of. It's so fun. Everyone's a fa fan of David Goggins. And how Goggins. can you not be? It's I, one I, of the greatest it, life transformation stories. Yeah. Because if you think, I think of mental toughness, I think of someone who is, I mean, it's impossible to watch one of his YouTube videos and not want to break through a wall. Seriously. Like, I Seriously. mean, within within 10 minutes, you are, you are just so fired up because yeah. he's not any, and I, what I love about him is he's telling a story, but he's not saying you have to do this or imposing his beliefs or ideas. He's just saying, this is what I do, did, yeah. and this is what I do, and it's the consistency, it's the discipline to, you know, again, the gratitude, the workouts, the, the reading, the feeding your mind, like you said, with yeah. good ideas, great ideas. Uh, to keep yourself sharp. And and then one last thing I'll add is um, who you surround yourself with. Yep. 
they say you become like the five closest people you surround yeah, yourself show. with. So yeah. if your significant other is smoking, you might be smoking. Right. You know, if your significant other goes out to work out, you're probably working out. Right. You know, if they're a crackhead, guess what? You're probably a crackhead. <laughs> <laughs> so we can edit that out. But anyway, <laughs> um, but the point is that who you surround yourself with to be around great positive people who are supportive, who are going to pick you up and who are also going to challenge you a little bit too. Right. Um, so that's all part of, and some people will say, yeah, great, you know, make me a bicycle clown. I want to look at charts. Like they don't really care. But the point is like- That, uh, that person is probably most likely in New York, right? Exactly, yeah. exactly. And I get called that all the time. But <laughs> but the point is nothing will work. You can have the greatest system in the world. I can hand you a great setup on a silver platter yeah. if your head's not right. Yep. You know, I'll give you two quick examples. 2017 was an amazing year with one of the few years where we didn't have less than a 3% yeah, correction. Yep. It was like an X equals Y line, markets up 20%. Yes. Friend of mine was down 35% that year. And you know why? He was going through a brutal divorce. Oh, so his sense. head wasn't yeah. straight yeah. and he hated the market and he shorted it and he was oh, so angry. He wasn't angry at the market. It's, you know, We all have different things going on in your life. If you don't have that in check yeah. and you don't have that mental toughness and have that, then you shouldn't be trading or you shouldn't be attacking the market without that clear head. Yeah. You know, so that's one example. Another example is a, a sports example with golf. A few years ago, the number one player on the PGA Tour, his average score was 69 and a half. Uh, for the number one average score for the whole PGA season. You want to take a guess what 50 was? The 50th? 70.2. It's that, it's that. Less than one huh? stroke. That Less than one stroke. The number one person outside of endorsements, I think, yeah. made 12 million in prize money. And the 50th, I think they gave him a box of Titleists or whatever. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> made like less than a, like a half a million, whatever. But you're telling me between the number one and the it's 50th incredible. is less than one stroke. That's amazing. It's not the mechanics. It's not the process. It's not the, uh, you know, the, 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 to equate to trading. It's not the, you know, whatever your strategy is. Yeah. It's all up here. Yeah. They can all drive the ball 300 yards and hit a 40-foot putt, but... You can even see it if you're a golf fan when they, you know, you watch the Masters on a Sunday or whatever. You can see in their body language who's confident, who's yes, mentally tough. Absolutely, you're like, yeah. they're not going to make that putt. Well, talking about or the Or they will make that putt. Yeah. Uh, belief, right? Yeah. You also have to believe. You have to increase that belief in yourself, belief in what you're doing. Yes. And, and the belief that, okay, I'm, I'm going to execute this strategy. It might not work, but I, the, the only control I have is actually being there at the right time. Yeah. And... If it, if it works, good. If it doesn't, I cut my losses. That's that a great point. Because just to have that mental fortitude to actually give it a shot. Like yeah. if I say, okay, here's a great setup, you still have to have that mental toughness to say, I'm you know, to click on the mouse and actually buy it. Yeah. Um, and even if you start small, because you, you make such a great point about confidence, even if, even if you start small and you see a little bit of success, you can build it from there. But yeah. even if you're wrong, you can cut your losses with hopefully, a, you know, and, and you know, maintain your portfolio. Right, right. Now let's talk, let's talk briefly about sentiment. Yeah, uh, because this goes into psychology and there's a whole psychology with the market and you can really use sentiment in your favor uh, to the downside when when the markets are coming in, when that fear is com com yeah. coming up. Right. Yeah. And, and there are a number of sentiment indicators out there. Which ones do you, do you like to look at to give you an idea? Um, I'm a big fan of NAAIM, which is National Association of Active Investment Managers. It's roughly zero to 100 of how invested they are. So okay. when when it gets over 90, uh, 95, they're maybe too bullish. And when it gets below in the 50s or lower, that's a good sign. of So from a contrarian point of view. Um, equity put to call ratio I love because I don't like the index one because sometimes people will own a lot of equity, yeah. but they'll buy a lot of puts as a hedge. So it. that's not that a directional trade. Yeah. But when they're specifically buying puts on individual stocks, I like to look for readings above 0.9 or higher. For example, uh, we talked earlier about the... Um, 
the correction, the big correction or bear market, whatever you want to call it, in, in fall of 2018. It ended December 21st with a one point something reading on the equity only, 1.1 something. Yeah. So that was really an off the charts reading. And usually when you get that above 0.9 on equity only, you're within a day or two of at least a rally or short term low. Yeah. And, and, and then, but usually also that time, even if you're out of the market, your psychology is probably, whoa, this market's may, they may never go up again. Yeah. It, you get conditioned to, it's amazing how how easily, at least for me, how conditioned you get over the last few weeks. That's all I remember. Yes. The markets are really going down. It's, it's recency hard, bias. Yeah, yeah. It's just hard to think that it could ever go up again. But that's where you have to kind of catch yourself, manage your mental state yes. at that point, and then go back to that belief that, hey, these markets are going to turn around. I'm going to look for that fall through day. I'm going to look to see when these markets oh, that's actually have a chance. Oh, that's when you absolutely have to be on. That's such a great point because recency bias and you just got killed in the market, everything looks like garbage. And, you know, just to really quickly, some other sentiment measures, AAII, I look at the, uh, the investors' intelligence as well, the survey, yeah. the newsletter writers. Um, that's not as important, though, because the put to call is what people are actually doing, but the survey writers are what they're just telling people on bullish or bearish. It's not yeah. what they're actually doing. But yeah. anyways, um, when you have those really extreme bearish readings, you're absolutely right. That's when you should actually the word acceptance should come into mind. Accept that we're going to have bull markets and we're going to have bear markets. We're going to have uptrends, corrections, whatever you want to call them. During those downtrends, that's when you need to be ready and be fresh and say, okay, it's getting too extreme here. Keep in mind, we will have another uptrend and that's when you need to be prepared because around end of December, if you just threw in the towel, you missed the uh, January 4th follow through. Down. Right, exactly. Yeah. And and we'll, we'll, we'll end with one more sentiment indicator. Sure. Twitter. Twitter's a great sentiment indicator. Could briefly explain why it's a great. I sentiment mean, it's it, you know what one of the one of my I'll, I'll say one quick thing. When I look up a stock and no one's mentioning it, yeah. I like that. Yes. Because if no one's you put in the cash tag and you put in the symbol and no one's mentioned it for a few days, that's a great thing. When you put it in and there's like 50 mentions in the last hour, that means everyone's watching the same stock. Yeah, and it's almost a herd mentality, yeah. and and those can never work almost. So you, know? you can use that from a contrarian point of view. I mean, I I love the George Carlin quote. Think of how dumb the average person is now think half the world's dumber than that <laughs> it's like hilarious and sad at the same time but the average person's an I idiot <laughs> and that's why i pay attention to sentiment because if the average person's you know pretty dumb then right. half the world's dumber than that you kind of want to know what everyone's thinking and i'm not saying i'm smart i just want to know i want to make sure i'm not thinking like yeah. everyone else <laughs> so i want to be on the right side of that <laughs> yeah so managing our mental capital in the market is essential for success coming up next joe and i will talk about three current stocks in this market we'll be back Hey guys, if you really enjoy listening to the podcast every week, we'd love it if you could rate and review the show on iTunes. Your review and ratings really help out the show and we would love to get your feedback. Thanks so much for listening. We are back with Joe Fami. Okay, Joe, let's get into some current stocks in this market. And the first one is one that... I don't know if a lot of people have heard about Joe Google. <laughs> Do you need the symbol? <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, so uh, Google here. So right now, it's forming a base, which yes. is pretty amazing in, in this yeah. kind of market, right? And and it's a tech stock too. A lot of tech stocks haven't been doing that well, but it's forming a really large couple with handle uh, right here. They're reporting earnings in five days. Yeah. Uh, and uh, what what do you see in this stock? 
Well, we talked earlier about how a lot of the major averages have been consolidating for a while. When you yes. look at some of the FANG stocks or some of the big caps, they've also been doing the same. Uh, Google's been whatever it is, 13 months, something like that, base, uh, 16 months, something like that. Yeah. Uh, Almost like that, yeah, exactly. Like the markets. Yeah. I mean, I consider, I don't even consider it, I consider it like an ETF, basically. They're yeah. involved in so much stuff now. It's not just search and Google Ventures and so many other things. But um, So it makes sense that it's correlating to the markets. But um, you know, one of the points I want to stress is, not only is it a big consolidation, but they're earning an insane amount of money. So you have that institutional support where it, this is a growth and a value stock, mm -hmm. um, and you know part of the reason I picked it is because you know as far as we talked about right now in growth stocks, the, you know there's not that many great setups, but I do like the bigger base. Uh, I think you're always going to have that institutional support from growth, growth and value managers. But yeah. one thing, because I started investing, you know, mid to late '90s, where there were so many of these dot coms and so many companies where they made no money. They were trading on eyeballs, they were trading on clicks, and so all sorts of ridiculous yep. measures. And even the ones that did well would be, you know, two cents versus a loss of one, or one cent versus a loss of three. These guys are earning over fifty dollars a share. That's so that's what I mean by some of the when people say overvalued or they, you know, too like these companies like Google and Priceline are now booking, but all these companies, um, Apple and so forth, they're making an insane amount of money. You're talking between fifty to three hundred billion in the bank. Microsoft, all these big caps. So. It's something when people say, oh, this is a bubble or this and that. The, the difference now between back then is these companies are not only huge conglomerates, but like their, their balance sheets, their, their financials and fundamentals are incredibly, incredibly stable. They're making an insane amount of money. Yeah, and you mentioned earlier, you know, they have their hands in a lot of different things. Yeah. Now, one thing, obviously, is is the cloud. They Obviously, Amazon's the leader there, but you know, Google very rapidly grabbed some of that market share. Correct. And these guys, they also have self-driving cars. Self-driving cars. That could potentially eventually become another huge business for them. Yeah, that and Google Ventures is something no one really, very few people talk right. about. They're involved in a lot of different things. But self-driving cars is something uh, they're very big in as well. And um, I just think by um, spreading out more than just search, it kind of gives them diversification. That's why I joke it's kind of like an ETF because yeah. it's it's they're involved in so many different businesses. And, and they also own the second largest search behind Google.com, right? With YouTube, I think that's the that's second. That's true. Yeah, second that was largest. one of the that's that's got to be one of the top five acquisitions of all time. Right. You know, with uh, and granted, they embedded YouTube into Google to help. But I mean, what was it like 1.6 billion? They say it's worth 40 billion or something God, on its own, which is greater than so many S and P companies. But if the markets are to move out of this range and we're in a good interest-friendly environment and so forth and we are going to propel higher, I, I can't see the market going up without Google because they've, they've all been consolidating and I could see this one going higher you know, over the next year or two. Yeah, I, I pulled uh, Google up on a monthly chart and it's building this really big, large couple with the handle there too. Yeah. And it's just been just a nice, steady trend. Kind of like the market, it just slowly yeah, keeps growing. Yeah, and we growing. talked about earlier, whenever a stock or an index makes a big move, it's uh, normal for it to consolidate. Right. And it made a huge move back in, I think, 16 into 17. So this sort of whatever year, year and a half long base makes sense that it's been consolidating. And again, if, if the markets cooperate, I could see this one going higher. Perfect. Let's go to the second stock. And this is uh, an, an oldie from 2016, 2017, but still uh, a, a goodie, at least on a fundamental end. Uh, expectation levels, NVIDIA, ticker yep. symbol NVDA. And uh, now these guys, they're uh, on a technical level, not as constructed right now. You mentioned big moves. NVIDIA had a super large move in 2016 and then also a pretty solid move in 2017. And now 
maybe they're consolidating that move, and maybe they're building large base, or or maybe not. But uh, what do you, what do you see with these guys? Yeah, I think as far as the chip leader uh, used to be Intel, and it's now Nvidia. As far yeah. as the world shifting from CPUs to GPUs, with and again, you mentioned uh, so many different things that Google's involved with, but their their chips are not just AI and machine learning and obviously PCs and gaming and so forth, but also driverless cars. Yep. They recently did a 5G uh, uh, contract with some, so they're involved in basically everything the world, you know, Jeff Bezos talks about all these things being the future, the, everything, all those different, I know they're all great buzzwords, but everything that's involved with that, uh, NVIDIA's chips are involved with everything the world is moving forward to. So I again, um, uh, you know, one lesson I will say real quick from the past when it did go from 20 to 60, and I remember asking a friend who was involved in tech, and and he said um, he said this thing is is going is going much much higher. So yeah. the lesson there is just when you think something can't go higher, it usually does. Right. Same on the downside in a bear market it's when true. you think something doesn't go lower, it usually does. But I remember it went from 20 to 60, and I traded a couple times, and my friend is like, this is just in the infancy stages, and then it went to uh, six, from 60 right. to 300. So exactly. the lesson there is. If you can get into something early and you have the patience, depending on your time frame, and you can ride some of those trends. I remember it made a big, huge base around 100 and then took off and went from 100 to, to 300. So uh, moves in the markets can go on longer than we expect. Now, obviously, um, I think part of the reason is the liquid stocks were being um, you know, sold off in the fourth quarter of 18 and, right. and NVIDIA and Amazon, some of the big ones were like that. But I think they're, you know, and their earnings slow down a little bit, but still earning over seven, eight dollars in the next couple of years. I, I think it, the valuation is reasonable, and I think just being involved in so many amazing, um, you know, industries and verticals, I think they're going to do well. Yeah, it, it's it's always one that you should have on your radar. At least it, it might not be actionable at this point, or maybe not for for a while. But yeah. it's it's at least it gives you an idea of uh, if th that those type of stocks are back in favor, yes. right? Uh, just uh, the larger semiconductor stock, uh, semiconductor When stocks. semis do well, it's usually because the markets and, and, and industry is doing well, as semis pretty much go into everything, yeah, from and, and appliances to everything. Yeah. Right, and, and that's almost another form of speculation right there, or a form of how well the economy is doing when the semis are doing well. Exactly, right? yeah. Let's go to the third and final stock here, and this is Intuitive Surgical. And now, Intuitive Surgical, obviously, these guys have been a, a game-changing company for, for many, many years. They reported earnings last week, and they had a, a nice earnings gap uh, that, like a lot of other earnings gaps so far, <laughs> gave, gave <it> up. immediately <laughs> sold off. Uh, so it, it kind of came back, fill, filled in the gap, but it, it's still hanging in there. And, and they're, they've been building uh, a large kind of consolidation here. And it, it, it looks like it's just going through that process of, just building a consolidation, kind of go, maybe exchanging those shares from weak hands to strong hands. So. Yeah. No, this is also a play not only on medical devices, but also on AI. I think in one of the AI ETFs, it's one of the biggest holdings in oh, there. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So it's, um, and again, same thing as I mentioned before, after a huge move that it made from, again, whatever it was, you know, 200 to 5, 600, whatever it was, and then it just went sideways, similar to the markets. I mentioned earlier this week that it's consolidating after the big earnings. It could still continue to consolidate for a little while. Yeah. So I just want to stress the point. It might not be actionable, you know, today is, is a point, but these are just sort of, these three stocks are, um, you know, that I still think have good growth prospects and great earnings behind them, because as we know, what drives 
big winners and what drives stocks is earnings and sales growth. And, and it's what's amazing about some of these companies is how big they are and they're still growing earnings and sales yeah. at double digit rates, you know, for even like a Google or uh, Intuitive Surgical 20, some, some 15, 20, 30% is, it's impressive for companies that large. Yeah, it, it, and that was almost the normal. When, these comp when companies in the past would get up this large, they can't really grow anymore. Yeah. But it seems like some of these companies, and Amazon's a great example, they, they just, they're kind of defying the odds. Maybe, yes. maybe things are shifting a little bit, or maybe these companies are just so powerful and they have so much data yeah. and they can just pinpoint their customers so well these days that they've really uh, gotten the the selling down to a science. Yeah, I, I think it's, um, I mean, that's why they talk about government wanting to break some of right. these up because they're too big. That is one risk you run into. But I mean, as far as... Uh, it's impressive when you do talk about the fangs and even outside of the fangs, some of the big financials, some of the payment processors and so forth, they continue to grow um, as a lot of them are still expanding internationally. Yes. Um, so there's still that revenue coming in. You know, sometimes when people say, I don't want to get, I, you know, if you're involved in S&P companies and I need international exposure, I say, you don't need international because whatever, like 40, 50% of the revenues are coming from international right. and they continue right. to grow. It used to be 20, now it's closer to 45 or something. But um, these companies have enough international, international exposure and continue to expand in emerging markets that I think it gives you uh, good diversification as far as uh, the, the earnings just keep coming in. Yeah, excellent. So there are three stocks to consider uh, during this uptrend and, and at least to keep in your watch list and, and buy them when the markets are better uptrending and when they are uh, more powerful breakouts. So remember, the most important thing, though, is to manage your risk and, as we spoke about in uh, segment two, manage your mental capital. Thanks, Joe, for joining us today. Thanks for having me. A lot of fun. That's it for this week on Investing with IBD. Next week, we are going to have Bruce Frazier on the show. Bruce is a longtime professor of Golden Gate University and an expert on one of the pioneers of technical analysis, Richard Wyckoff. And Bruce has spent three decades investing using the Wyckoff method, and he's going to come on the show and give us uh, some great insight on the market. So we're looking forward to that. So that's it. I'm Arusha Paris, and thanks for listening. And for this week's notes and charts, make sure to go to investors.com slash podcast, where you'll find details for each episode in the podcast episode section. And make sure to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast if you haven't already. We'd really appreciate it. You can also send us your questions and comments to investingpodcast at investors.com. We would love to hear from you and may use your comments on an upcoming episode. This podcast is for informational and educational purposes only, and nothing should be construed as a recommendation to buy, hold, or sell any securities. Make sure to consider consulting with your financial advisor before making any investment decisions.